The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Genesis Invitational. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hey, Greg, happy Sunday evening. Happy Sunday evening. Uh, great to be here. A great week on the PGA Tour and another great event. I'm excited to break it down with you guys. Yeah, uh, every week there's something going on with this with this darn tour. We got another good yeah. one this week. Mark Immelman also here. What's going on, Mark? How's it, uh, boys? No, not too much. Again, you know, spending Sunday at home during a CBS event is kind of weird. <laughs> but I thought the show was cool, and I thought the storylines were cool. And it was, man, how about Adam Scott suddenly finding a putter? Oh, good golly, he looked like he looked like Jordan Spieth. He didn't look like Adam Scott. But anyhow, that's besides the point. It was a great event, and it's nice to be with you guys. Ha- have you seen that putter, Mark? It looks like it's from <laughs> outer space. I saw the best tweet. Uh, uh, you know, that's... When I do get to watch golf on TV, that's when I tend to look at Twitter. You know, I look mm-hmm. at Carl Porter and, and his action and stuff. And and some guy had an image of remember the Tesla um, truck, Cy- the Cybertruck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that thing looks like the Tesla Cybertruck, which kind of did that after I looked at it from that point of view. But yeah, it it, it was working. Good grief, he, he he's found the secret there. Apparently. Let's see how long it lasts. That's really the key. We will see how long it lasts. But oh boy. Joaquin Neiman goes wire to wire at the Genesis Invitational, the first wire to wire victory at this event since 1969 when Charlie Siffer did it. And Greg, a little bit of uh, symmetry because this would have been Charlie Sifford's 100th uh, birthday or, or this he would have turned 100 this year. And they were actually honoring him on the first tee with 100 on the pin, on the flag. And Joaquin Neiman goes wire to wire in the 100th year. I just thought there was some symmetry there. Yeah, there is some symmetry there, which is very cool. Now, we don't see a ton of wire-to-wire victories on the PGA Tour these days, let alone at, at Riviera. Let's. Uh, what was the last one? I have Ooh. one in my mind, but I don't remember if there's been one more recent. Was it, was it Matt Jones at the Honda? Did Matt Jones go wire-to-wire last year? I don't think I did. Yeah, I feel, I, I, feel I'm, I could be wrong. It's just a guess, a wild N- guess. Uh, Nick Taylor did it at Pebble. At Pebble, okay. Did DJ do it at the Masters? No, he was tied after one of the rounds. Yeah. I don't I don't know if anybody's done it more recently. Which, Obviously, which, very hard to do and very rare. Which to me, because my brother, you know, was tired for a couple of leads also and went wire to wire to wire at the Masters in 08. I don't see why if you're tied for the lead, you're not going wire to wire because you're top of the leaderboard, right? <laughs> whether I whether agree you're with alone that. or tied with someone. I agree with this take, Mark, but yeah. the, the record books do not treat it that way, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'll shut up. <laughs> I like that, though. But it's hard to do, Greg. It's hard to do. And it 
is hard for so many reasons. I mean, you look at this tournament and you look at how it ended and Joaquin Neiman plays, he shoots 63, 63 in the first two rounds. We know that he plays a nice round yesterday and it, with the 68 yesterday, he should have been as comfortable as could be. He should have been cruising to an easy victory and it was anything, but I mean, all of a sudden the the 18th hole actually meant something in this thing. Um, and, and it, you just, you have to play a great nine hole stretch, every nine hole stretch, it seems like in order to win. And fortunately this week, his bad ones were even or better. And, and that was a, a really helpful aspect. He made the Eagle on 10 on Saturday to cancel out the two late bogeys and the Eagle on 11 today to cancel out the two bogeys that he made on the back. So he stayed, he stayed at level par or better in every nine for the tournament, which I thought was really cool. The quote that he gave afterwards, Mark, kind of alludes to how hard it is to sleep on the lead every single night of the tournament. He said this weekend felt like a month, which I thought was a really a really good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's such emotional turmoil, too. But the good news is that typically, especially around a place like Riviera, where it asks you so many questions, you mentally and you physically exhausted. So in the evenings when you get home, there's not a lot of lying around and sort of shooting the breeze with your wife or your friends or whatever. It's typically home and into bed and fall asleep and then wake up. And then then you get into the routine of it all. But there is time enough still. Now don't let me allow me to make it sound easy. There's time to allow the mind to wander. And, and you could see some of that happen um, late Saturday afternoon and then on the early Golf Channel show. Yeah, I watched a lot of golf today. Uh, they were trying to sort of resuscitate that and say, well, you know, he played his final eight holes in couple over par and then he hasn't got going yet and maybe there's a little nerves going on but that's just the the nature of a um a four-round event you know you're going to have purple patches then you're going to have times when you just have to kind of survive a little bit and and he was a master class because he did that very very well when stuff wasn't there he ground his way to a score when he needed to make a, a like an exclamation point he did i mean that pitch in eagle that made life a whole lot easier on 11 today. But I just wanted to comment a little bit on, on what I saw out of the whole locations today because the greens were firm. We saw that, and they firmed up through the week. And the fairways were like bowling alleys. I mean, the ball was rolling so far on them. And the, the, the advanced staff set the course up great today because a lot of the whole locations I saw were in the back of the greens. So that allowed players to bounce balls in there and sort of gave – them the opportunity to make birdies if you hit quality shots and we saw guys do that so we saw something that could have perhaps today been sort of kind of a bit of a yawner you know with marikawa going crazy and chipping and putting and holding a couple of pitches and and then making a late surge we saw an interesting event in the end and i think a lot of that is is credits to the uh the the, the pga tour staff for putting some whole locations in the back of these greens to, to allow guys to play some offense on a difficult golf course. Joaquin Neiman gets his second career PGA Tour victory. And Greg, I want to get your take on this because I think Mark and I discussed it for just a minute earlier in the week. You know, when he won the Greenbrier two and a half years ago, all the comps came out. It was first international golfer since Seve Ballesteros, first international golfer since Rory McIlroy, right? We had all the stats about winning at such a young age. And then he goes two and a half years without victory. And I think there were 
a lot of, I don't want to say questions, but you start getting lumped into the crew of guys who should win more, which is a testament to his great game. Well, now he gets that second victory and immediately we're going to wake up tomorrow morning with him as the 20th ranked golfer in the field and probably a whole new different perspective on him. Yeah, he he definitely re-entered the mind, right? He he In future weeks, he's going to be in your thought process of a guy who's a great ball striker, who's been putting really well, who has all these things going for him. And he, for a while, he slipped from, from your mind. He, he wasn't really contending very often. You didn't see him. Although, I mean, he has played some nice, he played nice at the farmers, but he wasn't really a, um, a staple on the leaderboard. We didn't see a lot of him on the broadcast. He played nice in Saudi Arabia. Didn't really see a lot of him. So you haven't, you haven't seen a ton of the guy. Um, and, and now I think he'll join right back into the front of your, the forefront of your mind. But the, again, the amazing thing to me is that he's been on tour for five years. He's 23. He's only 23 years old. So to have two wins on the PGA tour by 23, uh, there, there's no, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't care if you've been on out there for five years. So he's, he's learning, he's improving. And, um, I, I, I don't know if we need to be making comparisons, but he's, uh, He's he's impressive. Uh, to your observation there, Greg, um, I'm going to put on my golf instructor hats, and and I can't tell you the 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 Waco Neiman that we saw when he came out on tour was essentially the same build with less facial hair, and he used to hit the ball like knee high to a grasshopper. The thing barely got got off the ground, kind of like that tee shot he did up 18, where you know 60 feet in the air and tumbling. And over the last few seasons, he's built into the repertoire a little bit more body tilt through the golf ball. We know about that side bend and stuff. And so it's allowed him to hit the ball a little higher when he needs to. And so on a golf course like Riviera, that's playing like a major championship, I feel like now he's opened up the arsenal a little bit because if you're firing low balls into Augusta National, you are going to have yourself a tough time if the greens are firm. If you're doing the same thing at a U.S. Open, it's going to be hard if the greens are firm. So, so he's, he's grown as a player not just maturity wise. I feel like the golf swing has grown up a little bit. He's got more shots. He's become a really sound putter. And the addition of Gary Matthews to the golf bag, uh, Gary is, he's carried for all and sundry. I mean, Garcia, you name it. He's worked for them all, Lydia Co. And so he's been on winning bags and you could see Gary's influence there coming certainly late Saturday afternoon when things looked a little iffy there for a bit. You could see Gary dig in and he was really in his guy's ear and you saw the same thing today. And and when a caddy references, pardon me, when a player references a caddy in their acceptance speech, then you know. So 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 with the fact that the golf swing has grown up, he's, he's a little older, a little wiser, and he's got Gary on the bag. I think this stuff now, especially against this field, it's one of those events that could, Rick, sort of just lower the handbrake and let him kind of get going a little bit. Yeah, the the aspect of him maturing, I think, makes a lot of sense. Let's mine into that a little bit more here, Greg, because he's got the one win, he's got the two wins, and now the conversation starts to talk to your performance around major championships. A T23 at the 2020 U.S. Open, that's his best finish in a major. And you do wonder, as his game matures, as he matures, if that will start to be reflected when we get to the four big ones every single year. I would I would assume so. His game does everything that it needs to do for a major, especially when you add in a little more trajectory, as Mark mentioned and, and alluded to earlier. Uh, that's a that's a really important aspect. 
maybe the around the green game could use a little bit of work uh, from time to time. But all in all, I, I think it's really quite good. Um, and and I think he has get yeah, that. That's definitely the biggest weakness. He's had some streaks of cold putting, but it's definitely it definitely looks like it's that short game, uh, which you can see when you watch him. He's a phenomenal ball striker. He's accurate. He can hit fairways. And I think the majors this year could set up really nicely for him. He's we'll see elite. what happens with the Masters. But he's, Greg, he's got elite speed off the tee, too. I mean, the first yeah. time I watched him play, I was looking at the spindly dude going, all right, uh, you know, he's going to kind of play an accuracy precision sort of a game. And he just unleashed. And it gets hit, and you can hear it. It's hit hard. Uh, and then when it hit, uh, hits the top of its trajectory, it sort of accelerates. And when it's on the ground, it's going like a scared rabbit. So, so, so when he gets the right conditions, he can move it out there. But... But clubhead speed, he's well up there in the ball speed. He can get it into the 180s, which is, you know, there are not many guys on the tour that can do that. Um, I, I'm looking at his, let's see, hole by hole here. Um, yeah, I mean, he's in the 180s. On number two, he's 180, 179 on three. Uh, I, I think he hit less than driver there. Trust me, bro. I've seen it. You don't need it's to look fast. at the statistics. Yeah, it's fast. <laughs> if it was not for Joaquin Neiman, we might be, first off, we might be in a playoff. And it, it would probably be Colin Morikawa and Cam Young. How about this, Mark? Let's start with Cam Young, uh, because I know you've got some great insight on a guy who just made his 12th PGA Tour start, and he's been in contention in a couple of those. Uh, never wavered, never backed off. He flew up the leaderboard on Friday, thanks to a 62. That was the round of the day, 69 on Saturday, and a 70 in the final round. I was very impressed with not only the way that he played, but the way that he played in the heat of the moment, in the final pairing of the day, all that all that, that comes with trying to win a golf tournament. And if Joaquin Neiman doesn't go absolutely nuts, maybe it's uh, Young trying to beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff. Well, it's a super cool story, and and I feel sort of fortunate that you know just by sheer happenstance we we happen to mention him on Tuesday evening. So everyone yeah. who's listening to other golf podcasts should go. Well, this is where you get the best stuff, um, because he is good. And the thing about Cameron Young that I would say, and look, I have not watched him play very much, and I know the backstory, which which he, he sort of worked hard, but he comes from a really quality golfing family. I mean, his dad's a, a respected Met PGA professional up in the Northeast at Sleepy Hollow. Um, mom's a good player, and they live they lived down there part-time um, close to my parents in Orlando. Um, but when I've watched him play, and what I saw today, and I, I see a guy, and I don't say this about many folks because it's hard to do, but he looks like he's comfortable closing. And, and his whole story from the many tours through the Corn Ferry Tour, now to the PGA Tour, and nearly today, is that whenever he's had an opportunity, he's taken it. You know, when he was struggling around on the mini tours and didn't have any exemptions and any uh, playing privileges anywhere, he Monday qualified onto the Corn Ferry, parlayed that into a top 10, I believe it was, and then found himself a little traction. All of a sudden, he has a win, and then he wins the next week, too. So now, then he's guaranteed the PGA Tour spot. Then when you get on tour for some of these Corn Ferry guys... You know, it's kind of like wide-eyed and and you're seeing all of the guys you've watched on TV and it's these big golf courses you've got to learn. And when I watched him play at Torrey Pines, he looked like he was as comfortable as a duck in water. Uh, he just hit it hard. He didn't care where the golf ball was going. And and he never backed down. 
and we made this comment last night on the show is like, I don't think he's going anywhere. And uh, he didn't. I mean, the golf course wasn't playing that easy today and playing in the final group is a different examination. And I thought he acquitted himself beautifully. Um, he's well up the FedEx Cup rankings right now. So yeah. now that the reshuffle with a reshuffle behind him, man, it is open water for him right now. And he's got the wind at his back. So I wouldn't expect him. I wouldn't be surprised at all for him to do more of this stuff. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Now 17th in the FedEx Cup standings. And and Greg, when he's playing on a, a, an exemption that's only this year, coming up from the Corn Ferry Tour, these are very, very valuable points to secure his card for next year. And if you've watched him for even just a second, you know the game. He's an absolute bomber. Entering the week, he was second in driving distance on tour. We'll see how that adjusts after these four rounds. But my goodness, he can absolutely move it. And yeah, to Mark's point, doesn't, doesn't seem to like to back down at all. No, the three would he hit on 17. They're talking about me. I think he's got to play it. I think he's got to go around the tree a little bit with a little draw. I, I don't think he can go over the top. And he just took it upstairs with the fade right over the top of it with like 179 mile an hour ball speed with a three wood or five. It was r ridiculous. And what now the drivers are getting up to into the one nine, right around 190 which is crazy fast. So yeah, he's got a ton of speed, but I think the game's really well-rounded um, beyond just that, uh, especially the putting. I'm, I'm really impressed with his putting stroke it, to put a, um, you know, instructor cap on as Mark would. I, th I think his game is really solid, really sound in every area. Uh, statistically, it needs to improve in some areas, but all in all, I think it's phenomenal. And the thing that I like about what he's done and what he did today is he, he didn't back down. And so through this season so far, he's gotten himself in contention and he's had a round, he's had one bad round, it seems in every event or, or more one bad round that has really hurt his finishing position. And he, and he didn't do that this week. So I think a, a big learning opportunity from last week at waste management, the year, the week before at farmers where he had a, a 74 and a 73, they had a 72 last week at waste management. And now this week, everything's par, everything's par better uh, in, in the best field in the final group. Massively impressive. Colin Morikawa finished in a tie for second and flew up the leaderboard. Mark, you mentioned this, tried to steal this thing away or at least put plenty of pressure on Joaquin Neiman all day long. Thanks to a Sunday 65 that featured him. Oh boy, there were there were a couple of highlights here. I didn't even know where to start. Uh, you know, rattling them off. He chipped in twice. I mean, he was absolutely uh, spectacular over the course of Sunday. And he goes 67, 67, 68, 65 around Riviera. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say the game is is looking pretty sharp. Yeah, and what was exciting for me when it uh, as it pertains to Marikawa was the performance on the greens. Um, uh, there was a different putter in the bag from the one I saw when I last watched him play. And, you know, all the pitchings aside and some of the saves he made, I mean, that save to the left-hand side of six when things are a bit nip and tuck early in the day and he's struggling to find a little groove, get it up and down there with a creative up the side of the hill down seven feet beyond the cup. Then he makes that one, which wasn't easy. I feel like that sort of set the whole thing in motion because then he pitches in from nowhere on eights. I mean, and, and that shot was so difficult because the lie was tight, the green's above you. I mean, that thing's got disaster written all over it, and you know it when you're standing over that thing. 
to hold out with the ball dripping into the cup, then making it on 10, all of a sudden you could see him see him gain some traction. But normally he's the guy that just flushes it and hits it close all day long, but that really wasn't him this week. I mean, he hit the thing okay by his lofty standards, but it was all scoring. And that for me was really exciting to see. And that for me, as he looks now down the track into, you know, the Florida swing and the players championship and, there's that little invitational year in early April, which is right around the corner now. Um, this is good news for Colin Morikawa and all his fans because we know he can hit. But if he starts making saves like that, uh, you better look out. Yeah, gained nearly seven strokes with the putter this week, Greg, which is um, an outrageous number. And we've talked about this before is um, overall, Colin Morikawa is not a great putter, but there are definitely weeks in which he finds it. And the weeks that he finds it, he basically wins them all, right? This is kind of right. uh, like, if you told me before the week that Morikawa gained seven strokes putting, I would have more, you know, mortgaged the house on him, right? It would have been right. absolutely nuts. He finishes T2 here, but that's obviously going to be um, the key for him to really just stack trophies as he's already done in his young career. Yes. Um, and again, you look at what happened this week, and I think there were just a couple mistakes that kept, held him back from winning uh, on Saturday morning or, or early in his round on Saturday. He makes bogey at one and two, and it was a little sloppy, and everybody else in the field is making birdies, and I mean, they're having eagle putts at one, they're making birdie at two, and, and he's making bogey at both of those. And it felt like a, I, I, don't, I won't say a four-shot swing, but it, it felt like he lost at least two shots to the field there. And, and it's probably more. He probably should have made a birdie and a par at, at worst. So um, I think that was really disappointing. And if if he performs a little bit better on those holes, this game that he brought this week wins. And, and those seven strokes game putting, they do lead to another win. And it was really in that one, that, that one little start that cost him the tournament. But today's round was phenomenal. Uh, flying up the board, as you said. And it, I love watching him play and compete in these firm, fast conditions because he's such a, he's such a great thinker uh, and he, he understands how to, how to get his ball around the golf course. So really, really fun to watch him today. Yeah. He, the only other event in which he gained more strokes putting was the 2020 PGA championship. We know how that ended. Colin Morikawa hoisting the trophy. Let's add another voice here to the conversation. I've got him. I've got Kyle Porter here. KP welcome in. What up? Hey, how's Kyle. it going? What's up? Uh, it's good. It was a, uh, not, it wasn't an exciting Sunday, but it was still interesting. I mean, it always is. Rory's comments, Joaquin's win, the whole week culminating with DJ and Bryson's stuff. I mean, it was it was an, it was an entertaining Sunday once again. Yeah, we will get to all that fun stuff on the other side, but for now, KP, we are looking at Morikawa up top, Colin Morikawa, a lot of or Neiman at the top, Colin Morikawa in second, a lot of big names behind Adam Scott, Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler. They're stacking up. They stacked up last week, too. Uh, we are 46 days away from the Masters, and it seems like the best players in our game are already in great form. Yeah, who, who's not on paper? I know who on paper, but who in, in y'all's mind is the Masters favorite? Um, <laughs> probably still John Rom. Give me a few weeks. Uh, give me a few weeks on that one. Yeah, probably. I think probably Rom. I think it's Rom. I'd say, uh, but you could so convince my, me on like any of eight guys. Quite frankly, I, 
I know, which is which is really interesting. And I thought that I thought this leaderboard is interesting. One, because Neiman is Neiman and Riviera are such a cool match. You guys probably already talked about Neiman a lot, but like his T to green play fits what you think of when you think of a place like Riviera, right? And I think it's awesome that he won because I like when I think of Neiman and probably you guys as well, because we're in this every day and we know how good he is. I think like, man, he is better than like what his resume shows, right? He's better than like the amount of wins that he has. And now he actually has the win that makes the the general public, the people that follow golf say like, Oh, Joaquin Neiman's really good. And you're like, yeah, no, no kidding. He's awesome. He's so good. And so I was glad for him from from that perspective. I mean, he's still so. I mean, he's twenty three. He's younger than Hovland, right? Uh, yeah, Hovland's yeah. twenty four, right? Yeah. yeah. But then the other thing I was saying about is like how many guys played so good on the West Coast and didn't cash a win? Rom, Cantlay, JT, they were all really, really good in a bunch of different events on the West Coast, and none of them won. And now they go to Florida and the Masters and and. You know, maybe that means a win is coming. Maybe it means they start pressing. I don't know. But this this weekend was a little bit telling or a little bit. Um, it just kind of reminded me of that as things kind of wound down at Riviera. I, I, I want to add something there if that's cool, Rick. Um, yes. And we said as much when we lined up this West Coast swing that to me, I always find it hard to handicap because Riviera is the kind of place that will identify the complete player. But because of the way you have these fall-offs, like a Pinehurst number two, oftentimes you can get a bit of an outlier who wins. We've seen that happen there before. Uh, and then Pebble is a lottery. Torrey Pines is a bit of a lottery too. You'll see the same guys, but you never really know because you can hit in the rough one time and that could essentially put pay to your entire event. And then Phoenix is sometimes a shootout. So I find handicapping the West Coast difficult. But now when we get to Florida, you know, once you line up, once you have Bay Hill, the players, uh, Valspar, I, I don't know what it feels like. You start to see the guys shaking out a little bit more, which is why I, I'm, I think the Rams and the Justin Thomases and this sort of crowd of the world, they will start to separate themselves because the one thing that they will all tell you if you ask them, you're going down to Champions Grass on the greens. The greens are immaculate, all four venues. Um, the golf courses are all great. You have to hit the ball flush because of the winds down there. And so it starts to really identify the top players. So we'll have a real sense, in my opinion, of what the Masters favorites will look like in just a few weeks' time. Yeah. A big tip of the cap to you, Joaquin Neiman. Congratulations on your second PGA Tour victory. But, gentlemen, there is a lot more to discuss, settle in. We've got to talk about Tiger Woods. We've got to talk about potentially a breakoff league and the news that has happened since Kyle and I just talked about this on Thursday night. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance 
Prince jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Tiger Woods, as host of the Genesis Invitational, Greg was there to offer his thoughts. And I will give, I'll give Jim Nance credit. He tr- he tried to pull it out of him. He tried to, when are we going to see you next? Are you going to be at the Masters? Tiger would not give up much. Just the fact that he will be there for the champion's dinner. <laughs> Right. Which, look, that's what we all want to know. And I'm sure the Tiger wants to know, too. And he said that. Like, I, hey, I, I mean, I want to know, too. But um, I, I am kind of on the fence with Tiger in general right now. I, I Part of me thinks, OK, he's tampering our expectations again, just like last time. I don't trust him anymore. Right. <laughs> exactly. Now, and in this case, I'm not upset about it either. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me one bit. I just think he's tempering our expectations and maybe a little closer than he leads on. That's my lean right now. But then on the other side, this is a really, maybe he put a lot of, maybe, maybe the PNC championship was a big push. Maybe he was willing to stretch and extend and push for that a little more. And maybe the day-to-day practice and the day-to-day fluctuation of how his back's feeling and how his leg's feeling limits his ability to, um, you know, continue a trend. And just because he was at this place at the PNC doesn't mean he's ahead of that now, which I, I think is um, an important thing to consider, although it's not fun to say. It's not fun to think about that. I, I just, I do wonder if that's a factor. Uh, along those lines, Greg, you know, ever since Tiger has come out, you know, even as an amateur, he always had the one mantra. And that was like, if I'm in the field, I'm playing to win. And I'm coming here prepared. That's the one thing that I believe through his career, um, because he's just a supernova compared to everyone else, the preparation that he put in was off the charts. And when he showed up at an event, everybody, I mean, everybody at the event knew Tiger was there and he would have a shot to win because of the preparation. And so I don't think that he's going to be playing anytime soon because he's told us as much. He goes, I just can't prepare to your observation. And then he referenced the walking and and the Florida courses are a little more sedate. They flatter. But then when once you hit um, Augusta National and beyond, it starts to get a little hilly. So I, I can't see him being in a rush to come back. I think maybe the Open Championship at St. Andrews makes a whole lot of sense. I, I've said that for a while. But at, in terms of the Masters, 
I, I would like to see, and this is just me, you know, I think Wednesday afternoon with a par three contest going to happen again, I think him out there with Charlie in the overalls on the golf course playing alongside, I don't know, Jack and someone else or, or whatever the case might be would be really cool. But the one thing about Tiger, he's not ceremonial. He might have been ceremonial this week, being called Mr. Woods by people and stuff. But when he competes, that's not him. He plays to win. And so I don't think he will enter a tournament where he doesn't believe he can't contend. Stark contrast, KP, between Tiger Woods in the booth this year and Tiger Woods in the booth last year. Looked good. Looked uh, looked happy. And uh, yes, very much tempering expectations for when we will see him on a golf course again. Yeah, it was. I mean, people shared the photos difference between this year and last year. It was uh, it was very different. Um, it was funny that I, I was laughing about him trying to evade Jim Nance's quite. I mean, Nance was just like just peppering him with like seven or eight times he tried. Yeah, it was yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty incredible. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm with Greg. I, I don't know what to believe now. Like, do I believe? Because there was one point where he said, uh, he was like, ah, I haven't really been, you know, hitting it from, from tee to green. I've just been chipping and putting. And I was like, I, I feel like I watched the PNC and you were just m destroying the golf ball. Right? I mean, yeah. we, all, we all watched that. I re yeah. what I remember actually more than that is at the hero he was on the range like four out of five days like that to me is a bigger than just like hey letting Charlie hit most of the drives and playing at the PNC he was like grinding on the range for the whole week yeah so I, just, I don't I don't really know the grinding, the grinding on the range was in preparation for the PNC he knew he was playing and like like I pointed out he never shows up at an event not playing well that that's just not who he is and so I think that was some of that yeah that's fair. Uh, he did say he needed more walks on the beach to get ready for a major championship, which is a very normal sport thing to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I've said St. Andrews all along. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think I think we're at the point with him where I'm like, I don't I wouldn't be surprised by anything. I wouldn't be surprised if he played the Masters. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play till 2023. Like, that's just that's how unknown and how like close to the vest he plays everything. Uh, for sure. And we will not know until uh, he gets committed to a field. That is that is likely when we will know a few days in advance. Uh, gentlemen, let's turn our attention to the Saudi League or maybe we shouldn't. Uh, things have changed. KP, I'll start with you here again, because you, you and I talked about this on Thursday night um, and, and the update was. Phil Mickelson with some comments to Alan Shipnuck that were. Um, I don't know, strange at worst and I, I don't know, outrageous at best. I don't know what they were. But um, since then, the the tone and uh, seemingly the support for the Saudi league has evaporated. Dustin Johnson announcing through the PGA Tour this morning that he is committed to the PGA Tour. And only an hour or two later does Bryson DeChambeau come out and release um, – a, a, a not as uh, sticky statement, but one that says he's staying here on the PGA sides. Yeah, Bryson was hedging pretty hard, huh? Yeah, there was a good hedging there. He left the door open. Uh, pe people just abandoning ship, though. I mean, yeah. And and you know, it's it's unlike Phil to torpedo his uh, his chances of something succeeding at the eleventh hour. We haven't seen that from him ever in his career. Uh, <laughs> kidding, of course. Uh, 
it's I, I just I mean, we talked about this for a long time on Thursday, Rick. It remains like every day I wake up and I'm like, did Phil really say that? Like, were those real sentences that came out of his mouth? And like, you just, you can't, uh, it just didn't have a chance after that, right? Like, nobody's like, oh yeah, even even DJ, who is kind of like whatever about everything, it, nobody's like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in on that. You know, especially with Phil kind of admitting that he created the league. He 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 and a couple other players drafted the uh, the uh, what's operating it called? Operating agreement. The operating agreement. Like who who's who's still in? I mean, Rory said this on Sunday. He was like, I mean, are they going to get Greg Norman to tee it up? Like who's in on that? And I just don't understand. Like I have to believe that Phil thought he was off the record, or. Or he's just, or, or he, so your two options are: he either thought he was off the record, or he is just uh, oblivious and maybe arrogant enough to believe that it doesn't matter because he's Phil, right? Those are your only two options of why he would say what he said, and he just kind of, I mean, he 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 got out over his skis, and now you know none of this is going to happen because of it. The line that really stuck out to me. And by the way, we're having a ship nook on, on course record tomorrow, and I can't <laughs> wait. He might be the 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 hero that saved the PGA Tour. <laughs> it's it's going to be really interesting to cool. uh, hear his thoughts on on Phil. But um, I, the thing I thought was so interesting in that was Phil saying, I, "I'm not even sure I want it to work. I'm not even sure I care that it works." And now I'm like, "Well, are are the." Whoever's running the song is Greg Norman happy about that? Probably not. That that's not good. That that article, those statements weren't good for any side. I mean, Im- imagine if you were going to pay somebody just to speculate here a hundred million dollars to come and be the face of your new league or join your your new league, write the operating procedure, and then you find out it's just to leverage the the PGA Tour. I mean, it's like. It's like dating a it's like dating a, a woman to make your your ex upset. It, that's not good for anybody. Mm. So I mean, I'm I'm really worried about Phil. I, I think those comments were, um, and then the uh, those three the three players he brought on to help. How upset are you? We bring me in here knowing it's gonna or not caring if it succeeds or fails. Are we, are we bait? You brought me in as bait. So uh, very. When, and wh- how does he return to the PGA Tour? Like, what does that look like? Show up uh, at the players? Yeah. Oh, no. You're like, hey, what's my tea time? Yeah, what's the next Phil Mickelson public statement going to look like? <laughs> I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, I, it, it's just, it's uh, it's kind of beyond belief. I mean, we we talked about that on Thursday, Rick, but it's it defies like... I mean, if, if like the the thing that I could believe is that he was using it for leverage with the PGA Tour, but not really saying that, right? Because that's kind of what we what everybody's saying all along. The thing that defies belief is that he would say it out loud, right? Yeah, yeah. I was he, about to say leverage, and then you say stuff like that. Oh goodness! No, they said no. the quiet part, Mark. The other the other thing is that like six days ago, Mark, it was they've got twenty. They're gonna make an announcement at the Players Championship to really stick it to the PGA Tour, and now this thing has seemingly grinded to a halt because you can't really move forward without Bryce, and you can't really move forward without DJ. If you want to take 
18 older Europeans, I don't think you've got much of a league. I still have not seen a, an event schedule. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, the players have uh, the players essentially torpedoed the thing a little bit today, and it's going down in flames a little bit, in my opinion. I'm tired of it. Um, I, I, I can see where the league was coming from. I just and you can go and listen to the transcripts of of mine on the show. I've just never seen how they felt like they could entice all of the top games from the top league in the world, the PGA Tour, and say, "Yo, come play for us, and we're going to give you a whole bunch of money." There's more to it for a lot of folks. I won't say all of them than the money. Now, the money is certainly very enticing. But I still don't see a schedule. I, I don't see broadcast partners. I don't see any of this sort of stuff. And like Colin Morikawa rightly said in his press conference Tuesday morning or whenever it was, he goes, yeah, I can't operate on promises. He goes, it's got to be concrete. And there's zero. There's, although we know there's concrete right now, as DJ is now out, Bryson apparently is out, and, and, and guys like Rory and Ram and, and the power hitters have said, we're not interested. So it's 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 going to be ceremonial if it does happen to me. Well, I think I think the other thing is like who who else is really like Phil honestly like might be the only person who wants leverage here. Like who else is wanting more out of the out of the PGA Tour? Okay, so let me bounce this right back to you. So um, Phil Phil is going to be the villain of all of this, and rightfully so, and that's fine. Did it work, Kyle? If it was leveraged to the PGA Tour, we've got uh, PIP. We've got money injected into prize purses. We've got conversation about potentially making the fall portion of the schedule not FedEx Cup points, but kind of smaller, more guaranteed money, maybe some team events. Not the right way to do it, but did the leverage kind of work? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I think, I think it did for... Um, for people, I mean, not that Morikawa was involved, but for people like Morikawa and Cantlay and and Spieth and JT, because they're going to be involved in those events, they're going to be relevant in the pit. They're going to be up there at the top at all this stuff. And what Phil wants, I think, I think Phil just wants to barnstorm like the world and just play like exhibition events, right? And so what he wants out of that is basically a free pass from the tour as well as his media rights to just go and do that as well as still being part of the PGA tour. And he didn't, I mean, to my knowledge, he didn't get that out of it. He didn't, he didn't receive that. So I think, I think it worked if you're looking broadly at the whole thing, but I don't know that it worked specifically for what Phil was wanting to that. Um, I, I want to confirm with you guys, because from my from what I from what I'm aware, I don't think any other major of the major leagues, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, I don't think the players in those leagues earn their own their rights either. Um, so so just to, to something to mull over there. And and from creating other ancillary deals on the tour to, to generate more funds toward the top players and stuff. Commissioner Monaghan is the one thing I will say about him. He he's very much a player centric commissioner. And from when he came in, the, the the drive was and has always been to kind of, you know, bring it back to the players because they are the product. And so a lot of these things that are happening, they don't happen overnight. We'd like to think they probably do, but they're in the works for a long, long time. I mean, P ESPN Plus, PGA Tour Live, for argument's sakes, that's been in the works for like multiple years now. 
So you don't just flip a switch and suddenly go, well, we're going to play team events in the fall. Yeah, that stuff has been thought about. It's been mulled over. Now, maybe this might have put, might have greased the skids a little bit. But ever since I've known Monaghan, he, he came in and his sole focus was to, to, to grow the game and obviously to, to um, highlight the players and make it worth their while. This might be the last we hear about the Saudi league for now. Greg, we'll see what comes. Obviously, a lot has changed in the last four or five days. It might continue to change very rapidly, but I don't imagine this is going to be the last threat to the PGA Tour, right? We've talked about this before. Uh, golf is in a great spot. There are many young players. There's a lot of new money in it. There are going to be other startups um but it appears as for now on this sunday evening that the pga tour has at least fended off its biggest threat for now <laughs> yes and look they i mean i think what more mark brought up what morikawa said earlier i think those were some really important words this was a threat with a really big checkbook but not really anything else and so you got to make sure that yeah, here's the other thing. What else are you going to do in in the game of golf that's going to be better than the PGA Tour? We want we want a team concept. We want different for aside from then I'm just thinking hypothetically here. Aside from paying the players more or giving them more control over the tour, what's going to be something that entices them to play? And I think one thing we always find with different formats is that it all comes back to stroke play. 72 hole stroke play that leads to the best finishes of events. And when you try out these other concepts, while they sound great and it's great and in theory to mix it up, it, it usually doesn't show out the same way and generate the same interest. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they come out with any real, um, you know, theories or concepts on what this is all about, what this really looks like, what the league actually is, because I don't think they have anything. And uh, and and so all in all, this has been a great week for the PGA Tour. <laughs> hey, Greg, and, and along these lines, too, and I'll throw this right back to you. Um, you talk to any young golfer, uh, even the guys in the PGA Tour, you grow up on the putting green or at your home club or whatever, and you have dreams of winning the Masters, winning the Open wherever you live, and playing on the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour is the titan. And yeah, you could uh, there could be arguments made about monopolizing and stuff like that, but it is the kingpin. And you don't just, in the blink of an eye, unseat the kingpin. Not as strong as this, because it's the organization, and it's more than just the organization. It's everyone who wants to play this thing. I think Pat Perez said it best. He goes, so a few elder statesmen leave to go and play in some paid-for league. He goes, you line up players from California to Florida to come play on the PGA Tour. And these guys, we're seeing them come out now, Cameron Young and company. The tour is not going to go away. It's just not going to go away. It's just how it is. Well, and, and this was my point on, I think, when we talked on either Tuesday or Thursday. It's like the tour got so much great marketing out of this by not doing anything <laughs> where – all these guys and all these, all of us, like most, most people in the media are just riding so hard for the tour in ways that, you know, like the tour has its issues, just like any organization or, or, you know, big sports league, but like everybody is just like going to the mat for the PGA tour. And you're like, wait a second. Like, how did, how did, how did everybody end up like being like, defending the tour so vociferously and 
it's just it, it like worked out perfectly for them the way that it's kind of gone down. Yeah, it really. You think Phil's in the running for the pip again this year? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's. I think he's going to be the pack co-chairman. <laughs> oh, but I can't wait to see the Netflix documentary on this one. Oh my That'll god. Be- oh. It's gonna what be a time. Amazing. Amazing. Did they let the cameras in the back room with the agents and company when they're taking phone calls about it? That's so. what we need. True all access, baby. Okay. Uh, we've got to do our betting and one and done update. Spoiler alert. It ain't great. We'll do that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. The best bets segment. The coach and I whiffed. Tony Finau top 10? No. Cam Smith top 10? No. But I got a couple of winners here. Mark, we'll start with you. Paul Casey, top Englishman, two to one on your money. Cash it in. Well done. Yay. I'm so excited. I uh, Thanks to producer Jacob there because I was trying to text him and say I'm going to flip that to go as Laird for the top Scotsman out of three, but Casey worked out just dandy. So thanks. Uh, I'll give you the assist to producer Jacob there. Give him Paul Casey there. There you go. There you go. And KP, you are also a winner. It was Carlos Ortiz over Sahith Tagala and Doug Gim. Ortiz finished, let's see where he finished. T39. T39. Finished one ahead of Tagala. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. It was a little bit sweaty on Sunday, my friend. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Yeah, I was just basically going against like the emotion around Tagala, which good for, I mean, it was a good bounce back for him. T 48 right after that emotional Phoenix open loss was still pretty, uh, pretty impressive. But, uh, Ortiz was what plus two on Sunday. Tagala was even. So I, uh, I narrowly escaped that one. Yes. And, uh, speaking of guys who were tired and coming off an emotional week, I was pretty impressed, Greg, with what Scotty Scheffler did. Just the backup, yeah. the first win. He told he told us like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He's like, I'm exhausted. I've got nothing left in the tank. Yeah. D seven, good week. You're really good week, and and a good start. That round one was awesome. It, I mean, it really flipped by the time he teed off in round two. The, 
the script had shifted a little bit, but he was he shot that five under opening round. It was great. Uh, and Greg, you're not on the best bet sheet, but I think you texted me. You said your best bet of the week is Joaquin Neiman to win 66 to one, right? That's what you <laughs> yeah, that was my, out, I, um, you know, good. I, I do outrights usually in private for my best. Yeah, bet. it was, it was a double. It was parlay, uh, Joaquin Neiman and Benny on to win on the PGA and the corn Ferry for like a billion to one. And you know, yeah, well, I, I also had the, um, the exact box of Damian, <laughs> Colin Morikawa, Joaquin Neiman, all top three, right? Yes. Well, great, great. Actually, it's just a decent week. You seem to do that quite a bit. Well done. <laughs> uh, one and done. Actually, actually, you see Benny on. I love that. Benny on getting the victory on the Corn Ferry. I don't know what that uh, what that gets him, but obviously sets him up very well for uh, reestablishing that card and getting back up here. I've got one of his shoes on my shelf. So if he wants to win some more, that would be that would be great. Love that guy. He's the best. One and done. Jacob. Oh, boy. We are in trouble. Jacob said to me, I was running a little bit late today and I didn't really have time or I was rushing to try to update the one and done standings. And luckily I didn't have to do all that much because only one of our picks made it through. What are we doing? Kyle, uh, you are actually, you and Mark are both the winners of the week, but we'll start with you, KP. Patrick Cantlay, T33, 64,000. Big winner this week. Yeah, great. Uh, the outcomes are a palindrome here, which is nice, but... Uh, can't lay. This is his first time outside the top 11 in his last eight events. So awesome. Thanks. Great. Uh, Taylor Gooch for Sia Najad missed the cut and got trolled on Twitter. Taylor Gooch did not see it. Uh, maybe Sia did. I don't know. But Taylor Gooch was responding to trolls, which is always fun. Uh, Greg, you, myself, and producer Jacob went with Bubba Watson. That missed the cut. I've I've mushed you. I'll just I'll take the blame on this one. That's six straight zeros for me. I was l- literally exactly 50-50 between Bubba Watson and Adam Scott. I couldn't mm-hmm. decide. And I just so it, it, in a way it's hard for me to be upset, but I'm kicking myself because the difference is enormous, especially with everybody else missing the cut. So um, I don't think Bubba was a bad play. I just wish I played Scott. I you'll yeah. appreciate this, Greg. I uh, have obviously missed six straight cuts, so I was thinking that's harder to do than picking a guy to make the cut. So you know how they offer odds that are like, hey, you know, this guy to miss the cut. I I figure if all of my guys were plus two hundred to miss the cut, which I think is very very conservative. Yeah, it, it'd be like 768 to one that I've whiffed six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're in that territory right now. That is. Well, it's time to the turn doldrums, the doldrums. The, the West Coast doldrums. swing was not good to you. Nor the Hawaiian swing. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try or the 2022. Swing. We'll try the Florida swing. Maybe that'll be a little bit better for me. But Mark, you uh, come out on top in a big way this week, because not only were you the other one of us who had. Patrick can't lay, but nobody else made a real move on you. And because coach missed the cut with Sam Burns, he owes you either one crisp Benjamin or 100 wrinkled up George Washington. You'll have to figure that out with him. I've got a feeling I'm going to get the latter because I've been trolling him on uh, text and now he started avoiding me. So the coach is eerily silent, which concerns me a bit. I'd love someone, one of you guys, to check up and see if he's okay. Um, to Cantley, though, just like John Rahm, he made like a five-footer downhill bumpy greens on Friday to make the cut. 
and that was a big deal. And uh, just to let the f- listeners know about the insider stuff that's going on here, I send a text to Coach, and I'm like, Coach, I've got a guy in the weekend. Your guy's even. He's going out this afternoon. The wind's freshening. The greens are getting a little crispy. I'll let you out of this bet right now, 50% off. And I yes. get back, are you crazy? And, and that, that came back within a minute. And then I text back. I'm like, I'm going to remember this text. Well, yeah, we are. Mark, so let, now, Mark offered a buyout for 50 I did. I offered a buyout. You didn't take it. Yeah. So, coach uh, turned it down. So now what I'm planning is for the Players' Championship is uh, we're going to be on the live call together. So I'm going to have my phone set up on a tripod or I'll have someone holding it, and I'm going to record this entire event where that guy gives me $100, and we're going to ham this up in the biggest way. Can't I work. love this little rivalry you've got going on with Coach. <laughs> he makes it too easy, doesn't he? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> He definitely does. Uh, all right. So, Mar- I mean, the standings didn't move much. Mark's still very much out in front. Kyle closed the gap a little bit on Sia Najad. Uh, gentlemen, before we get out of here on this week's Genesis Invitational, we turn our attention to the Florida Swing for the Honda Classic. Any final thoughts? No, it was a fun West Coast Swing. Two years in a row, it was, it was, it was awesome. So, I'm excited about, I mean, players is, what, three weeks? Honda API players. Is that the order? Yeah, it's crazy. So 15 days players week. Wow. Wow. It's going to be March before we know it. It's going to be like December before we know it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, I think that'll do it. We'll be back on Monday for the DFS preview for the Honda classic Tuesday will be your mega preview pod. And of course, round by round recaps after each and every one of those. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes that right there, Mark Immelman. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find Greg Ducharme on Twitter at the real GFD. And that's Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick run good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.